This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. Since this episode number 50, I hope you've enjoyed this month talking about self-love, self-compassion, how to understand and manage our saboteurs, as well as how to connect to our inner wisdom. And if you have missed any of the episodes, please go back and listen, because I really have shared so many strategies on how we can create changes in our life from a place of worthiness and belonging, from a place of love and compassion, kindness and acceptance, building ease and joy in our everyday life. And I'm so excited to continue that conversation today with my special guest, Dr. Michelle Chestovich. Dr. Chestovich is a family physician, certified life coach, and mom of four. She has a huge passion for physician wellness and talking about burnout and mental health. She loves empowering physicians to take care of their needs and mental health. And I can't wait to have her share her story of creating pivots in her life and really embracing how important it is to listen to ourselves and to give ourselves understanding and love and compassion as we go through our human journey. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. I am so excited to have you here, especially this month. I've been focusing a lot on self-love and self-compassion. And I know we hear a lot about it, but I realized as I was going through my own burnout journey, how little I was actually giving myself any understanding, you know, love or compassion. I gave compassion and love to others. But when it came to me, I felt I should know better. I should do this better, et cetera. And there's a lot of shame and guilt, right? Associated with that too. So I am so grateful to have you here. I'd love for you to share your journey, how you have actually practiced these principles and created pivots in your journey. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more, um, especially if there's been situations of burnout and overwhelm. Oh my goodness. Yes. Many situations of burnout and overwhelm. And I agree that self-compassion is really key to healing, I think, and living that human experience that you mentioned, but it took me some time and years to figure that out and practice, of course. So I am a family physician in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I've been practicing medicine for 20 years. And I also have four kids. 
and I was practicing obstetrical medicine as well. Like I was helping my um, patients have babies. So I was on call 24 seven for that with four kids under six. And mm -hmm. that was a lot of work, even with working part-time in clinic, there were many years where I just thought, I don't even know if I'm coming or going and just felt like I wasn't really doing anything successfully. And I think that's something that a lot of our listeners, a lot of physician women think like we have so much achievement and it sometimes doesn't feel like enough, or we have such high expectations for ourselves. So even just like living life and like doing so many things, I would look around and think, oh, I could probably do better. Back to the, like the berating. It wasn't like horrible. I wasn't like telling myself I was horrible, but it was more just, you can do better. Come on, you got this, which in retrospect was not very self-compassionate or very loving. I was just trying to push me on to do more. And so of course I was burnt out. There were so many nights that I cried myself to sleep thinking I need to do a better job as a mom. I need to do a better job as a physician. Oh, and by the way, I'm a wife and a sister and a friend and I'm dropping the ball in all of these areas areas. So I tried a lot of things because I thought I was the problem. And so I tried a lot of things to like get better. Okay. Probably if I just get more sleep, if I just exercise more regularly and both of those things, I have to say that I've done quite well over the years, certainly with little kids, my exercise was laundry, let's be honest, but I got back into that. And yet I was still really struggling. And again, thinking I was the problem. So I went to conferences on burnout and I read books and nothing seemed to help tremendously until I found coaching a few years ago. And then I realized, Oh, the way I'm thinking about this, that I need to improve is actually making me feel worse. So I'm not sure if that was your experience, but yeah, it's interesting. Like I was like trying to like gently push myself along in understanding how the coaching works and how our mindset works. When you're thinking those thoughts, it really means you're thinking that you're not good enough as is. And so that to me was just like this huge realization. And then I started on the journey of like more self-compassion and self-love. And I did do a pivot. I'm, you know, with four kids and practicing medicine. And I said to my husband, and now I'm going to become a life coach. What do you think about that? Because I found it so helpful. And I knew that there were other women who also needed to hear the message mm -hmm. that we're not broken and that we're stuck in this loop of we need to do better. And so he said, yeah, I think that sounds great. So I became a life coach and I haven't looked back. I've continued to practice medicine up until this past year where my coaching practice has really increased. And so now I'm doing another pivot to full-time coaching and speaking to to help let people know that indeed they are not broken and that there are just a few little things you can do that can make life so much more enjoyable. And it's simple. Absolutely. I think everything that you said just resonated with me and I know will resonate with so many of the listeners because we all feel that thought essentially in our mind. Oh, I, I just need to do better. I can do better. And we think by telling ourselves this, we're somehow going to motivate ourselves to do more when in reality, we are already doing so much too much. We need to take a step back and just have space to be in our life instead of feeling, okay, I got to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and trying to split ourselves into 2 million different ways. I appreciate it's, you sharing that. It's exhausting. I used to feel like I lived in the perpetual state of exhaustion, even though again, my body demands that I get a lot of sleep. And so I've listened to that over the years, but I still always felt exhausted. And it was really just this emotional exhaustion of, I need to do more. I need to do better in order to feel fulfilled, in order to feel that I was doing a good job. And I hear from so many women that they're doing the same thing. Like I need more quality time with the kids. I need to do this. I need to do that. And they're wearing themselves out. Right. And we connect our worthiness, our sense of being enough to all of the things that we do. Yes. And I think especially when we look at areas such as self-love and self-compassion, it's really just reminding ourselves that we are already worthy and we are already enough as we 
are right now. We don't have to do 20 more things to be worthy because we're worthy already. That's exactly it. I love telling my clients that we need to remember. What are we forgetting to remember? Oh, that's right. I'm a mama who loves my children tremendously. That's fantastic. That's enough. But again, we live in a very production-driven society. And this is something I'm learning more about in this last year. It's like, oh, it's no wonder that I think I need to get my entire to-do list done before I can sit down and feel like I've earned rest, right? Like it's just such a, like a quote unquote noble thing to work hard and then take a break. And yes, of course there's work that needs to be done. And yet when we wrap up our worthiness in our production, what we've accomplished, it gets messy. And it's no wonder that we think we need to do more in order to like get that extra like check mark that we're doing a good job. But I love bringing it back. Just like you said that we are inherently worthy. And when we can remember that we can exhale, we can exhale and enjoy the people that we're with. We can be kind to ourselves and not say, okay, just one more thing. It really is. It's life-changing. Absolutely. I coach a lot on productivity and habits. And one of the things that I think is so powerful that you just said, and I want to highlight it for everyone listening is we think we need to finish our to-do list. But did you know that our to-do list is inherently, right? It's inherently Endless. It's never going to end. It's, it's never, never going to end. Not us high it's achievers. A- <laughs> There's always going to be more. Exactly. And so the concept that I'll be happy when, I'll be able to relax when, things will be easier when, like all of these things happen. Honestly, it's a way for our brain to keep tricking ourselves. And the other thing that you said that was so powerful is that we have to, a lot of us actually, I think I've heard it from so many, that we need to earn rest. That yeah. rest is not something that we can just do. And and some people actually have mentioned they think of sleep as rest. And I said, no, not really. You get to sleep. And then there is a space where you get to actually just rest. Yeah, it's totally it's different. It's it's kind of a foreign concept for most physician women, probably most physicians and just a lot of high achievers. But it is really astounding when we think about it. Wait a second. Okay, we're humans. Yes, we need sleep, but we also need time to relax and rest and play because that helps us recover. There was another fellow physician coach. I can't remember who it was years ago that I heard use the term. We have systole and we need diastole. Right. And ladies, diastole is rest. Right. And if we don't have diastole in our heart, we have trouble. So as we're talking about self-love, let's listen to the heart. I we need love some diastole. Yeah, I love it too. I wish I knew who to give credit to, but I'm sure it was, you know, someone amazing. No, I'm going to have to give credit to when I mentioned it, but it is true. And in fact, a lot of times people come to me looking for ways to do more, be more of like, how do you do more? And I, I actually tell them uh, like, actually productivity is about doing less, but doing the things that makes the biggest difference in your life. And rest, is really a significant part of being productive and being efficient. We are trying to squeeze our brain to do more and more and more, but we forget that we're not computers. We're not robots. And in order for our brain to recover and then to come back to that space of deep, intensive focus and flow and all of that, we need space to both rest. And you included a lot of things in that play, the community connection, all of the things. And sleep is also important because a lot of times what people think is, 
well, I can be more productive, take off, like shave an hour off of sleep and what's rest. I don't really need that. But yeah. those are the things that actually make them more productive. Yes. And you feel better, right? So not only do you have a few things that you want to accomplish, you have the energy to do it and you're feeling good about it because you're right. I mean, I've been there, right? Like I don't have time this week, so I've got extra meetings. I'm going to sleep a little less and certainly the exercise must go, right? Those are the weeks we feel worse. Not because necessarily we have those few extra meetings, although we do often have too many meetings, but like, it's really vital that we take care of ourselves as the humans that we talk to our patients about, right? We would never tell them skip this rest and recovery, especially when people are coming out of the hospital, like you need time to rest and recover in order to heal. I always tell my patients, like our bodies are so good at healing if we allow it to do so. I think that's an important piece. Absolutely. I love it. I'd love for you to share what are some tools that you use to, to really keep self-love and self-compassion active in our lives? Because one of the things that as I especially started reading more and working more within it for myself and for others, what I found is that it's so easy. Like you said, sleep can go, exercise can go. And the space that we actually actively give ourselves compassion and love, that also tends to be the space that we say, oh, I can do that later. I can do that connection piece later. I can do that self-love piece later. So we have to really keep these tools active in our lives. And I'd love to hear some of your tools that you use. Yeah, that's perfect. And I have such a simple way that it's just, you can sprinkle it into your entire day. And it really starts with just gaining awareness of all the thoughts that we have running through our head. And a lot of it is just background noise. And it's just, if not fully negative self-talk, it's certainly not maybe compassionate self-talk. I say I've always been an optimist, but again, my negative self talk. Sometimes it was, come on, that was horrible. You can do better than that. But a lot of times it was like trying to cheer me on. You can do better. Come on, you got this. But yet when I've learned more, even that sort of, come on, you can do better telling me that I'm not doing enough now. So just gaining awareness. So I invite listeners to just become aware of what's going on in their mind. And if you start to feel a little yucky is how I describe it in your body, just tune in and say, huh, got to dial in a little bit here. What am I saying to myself? And what I've really learned over this last year, I found it most helpful after reading Dr. Kristen Neff's book, mm -hmm. Self-Compassion, that I just become aware. And I say to myself, ah, there it is. There's that voice again telling me that I need to do better. And then I have just made a practice. Might sound silly. I put my hand on my heart and just said, yep, this is just, this is how we've talked to ourselves." or this is a tough situation. I just start to talk to myself. Like I talk to all of the other people in my life. As a physician, we know how to do compassion. If you're a mother, you certainly know how to do compassion. And so I'm just learning to turn it inward. And for me, the reminders to put my hand on my heart and just say like, oh, this is really tough. Instead of beating myself up because I screwed up, I just say, oh, Michelle, this is tough. I'm here with you. Sounds cheesy. It took me a little bit of practice, but it, there are so many times throughout the day that this happens. So I don't have self-compassion time personally, typically. Mm -hmm. It's more just throughout the day when I realize that things are going on that I can just catch myself. And it has been the biggest change over this last year for me is developing this self-compassion. So I it's simple, it. but yeah. it starts with gaining awareness. How are we talking to ourselves? Most people are unaware. I just thought that like, before I understood that my thoughts were separate from me, I, I just thought that it was one and the same. And I think most people in the world, it's just, we're all in it. I am, I'm having a hard time explaining what I'm trying to say, but until you understand that the thoughts are from us, it's hard Absolutely. to gain awareness. Absolutely. We think we are our thoughts. 
Yes, we think we are, we, and we think that our thoughts are true. Which can be really dangerous if you have really negative self-dialogue. If you're saying like, you're such a failure, you screwed up. Oh my gosh, you're never going to get it. Like you're in for trouble. If you believe that day in after day out, it's no wonder that we have such high rates of anxiety and depression. And again, I understand that those are brain diseases as well. And yet the negative self-talk, number one, it amplifies that. And number two, there are plenty of people who don't have a diagnosis of anxiety depression who just have really negative self-talk and it makes everything in life so much harder. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I used to be a master ruminator. That was, yeah, that just was running again and again. <laughs> yes. Thought I, I messed up. I did this and what's wrong with me. And I would spend like one from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep all day, every day. This is my background chatter of negative self-talk and also really judgment of, of myself, of what I did, of what happens around me, etc. And I never realized that, to be honest with you. But separately, or I thought separately, I used to have this generalized baseline anxiety. Like I just felt anxious all the time. I yeah. didn't know what was wrong. And, and one of the things, one of the changes really habit change, if you will, that I made early on in my burnout journey was trying to, okay. I thought, okay, rumination is a habit. So I know what to do with habits. Like I know how to break that apart. So you, you want to think like all analytical about it. Yeah. But what I did was I actually cut down my time and I said, I will give myself time and space to ruminate. And I initially started with a few times a day. I had a set time. I set a timer. I allowed myself to live and wallow in my thoughts during that time. But every other moment I would start to ruminate and I would say, no, you have time to ruminate later. And what I found over time is that even during the times that I had set aside for rumination, I really wasn't ruminating anymore. I, because I had the choice of thinking all of the negative self-talk, et cetera, or I could sit there and daydream, or I could sit there and just relax. So it was a really amazing transformation. I could visually see through my life. But one day I woke up and I just didn't feel anxious anymore. And I was just like, wow. And it took a while, actually, it took some coaching because I wasn't sure what was happening. I mean, it was amazing to not feel anxious. Yeah, that anxious gal just sat down. It went away. And through some of the work, I realized, wow, I wonder if this is what it's about. Not that anxiety doesn't come back or not that I never ruminate. But now I, like you said, I can recognize that I can raise awareness on that. And I get to choose, do I want to live in that space? Do I want to do this. And if I do have a set time, yeah. you know, because that really helped me not have it invade essentially all parts of my life. Yes. Because I used to have days on days of feeling stressed and overwhelmed. For instance, that was my, I had certainly low level anxiety that peaked at times, but it was more just that overwhelm and stress that I felt often. And so every now and then it comes back and I'm like, Oh, hello, overwhelm old friend. But for me, I love your point of taking time to ruminate. I usually just grab a piece of scrap paper and start writing it all down to get it out of my brain. They're like, oh, no wonder I feel so horrible stuff that's floating around in my brain. And it's just that alone just takes such a load off. And I always invite people to do some journaling and figure out if you can't identify just in your head in the beginning, like what is going on, just do some flow. What do they say? Stream of consciousness journaling. It's nothing fancy. You just grab a pen and you just start writing what you're hearing in your mind. And it just clears out a lot of clutter. And it allows people to do what you mentioned earlier, which is really separating your thoughts from, yeah. from who you are. And, yes. Like, oh, and this saying, is oh, I'm thinking this way. 
You know, that's interesting. Yes. I'm like, oh, this is fascinating. Oh, or here we go again or whatever. But I think that especially in the beginning, when you're learning to do this, to separate out our thoughts from who we are, I found writing it down to be helpful and, or like you did, you just said, okay, now I'm going to look at all those crazy thoughts going by circling and circling. And I think raising awareness is definitely a space where we get to be compassionate. We get to to look at things and say, oh, you know, like you said, of course I, that's why I feel. Although I, I have to say in the beginning, I was very judgmental of myself. Oh my gosh. Why do I have all these crappy thoughts? This is horrible. Who am I? I should know better than this. So that's really interesting. And so probably in my first year of coaching, I was very self-critical of the way I was thinking. And then, and again, it really was for me reading that book by Kristen Neff, her first book, maybe it's not her first book, but it's just the self-compassion book that I realized, oh, I can turn some of that compassion inward. Who knew? I always thought, and again, I think as high achievers, she describes it very well. We're very self-critical because it helps us achieve at one point, maybe we got an A minus on a test. And so we tried a little harder. We were a little self-critical, tried a little harder. Next time we got a straight A, no problem. And so it served us to a point to be a little bit self-critical, but there comes a point in life. Like that's just exhausting. And so it doesn't carry us further. I think a lot of us think if we become self-compassionate, we're going to become complacent and God forbid L-A-Z-Y, right? That's like a four letter (laughs) word for us hard workers. That's absolutely not true. In fact, the opposite is true. We start to achieve more and create new challenges when we realize, oh, we can stumble and fall and be compassionate. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Like then we're more excited to try new things. Whereas when, you know, our old self-critical person, like a lot of times we, what you and I have learned is fail ahead of time. We don't even try the new big venture because what if we screw up? We know that we're going to be our harshest critic. Yeah. And actually a couple of episodes ago, I had brought in both tender and fear self-compassion from her latest book. Yeah. Um, Fear self-compassion. And it's amazing. Raising awareness in these spaces and reminding ourselves that being self-critical is not the only way to get things done. No. And in fact, it's probably not the best way. And again, I get a little bit, I love men, but I bring in patriarchal stuff at times. And when I was reading her information, she just talks about how men are more self-compassionate than women and we're more self-critical. And I thought to myself, because I'm a little competitive, I'm like, that's not right. That's got to change right now with me. And then I'm going to spread the word because that doesn't seem fair to me that we are so harsh on ourselves, but a lot of it is societal norms. A lot of it is pressures that we've been given. And again, it doesn't mean that we had a horrible family of origin. We probably had loving families of origin, but when you're high achieving and you're asked to do more by teachers and parents and society, it's no wonder that we become a little more self-critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that through your journey, we've talked a little bit about your sister before and just how it really raised your awareness as well on the importance of this work. So if you would be open to sharing, that would be- Yes, thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. So for those who don't know, my dear younger sister, Dr. Gretchen Butler, who is a radiologist in Minneapolis, died this past March by suicide. And she was the most amazing woman, high achiever, got all the awards, was- spreading herself very thin in retrospect. At the time, we had no idea that she was struggling so tremendously. So it was a very tragic shock for all of us for so many reasons. She left behind three wonderful children and a husband and a family who loved her dearly. I always tell people like, I would have done anything for her. I would have gone on dialysis and given her both my eyes if I had known. Whatever it is she needed, we all would have stepped in. Unfortunately, there must have been something going on in her head, probably self-criticism and some anxiety and perhaps some occult depression as well. But yeah, it just makes me realize 
realize that I imagine there was some pretty strong criticism in her mind. And also, as we've talked about being humans here on earth and allowing for rest and sleep, the week she died, she was utterly exhausted. She was physically exhausted. She had a really hard call weekend and then was just going into the week feeling exhausted. And last time I spoke to her was three days before she died. And she said, Michelle, I'm just sick, tired. I'm, I have a headache. I'm nauseous. I just, I can't even keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I'm just feeling really burnt out. And this was the first time I've heard her use the term burnout. She said, I'm just really burnt out. I think I need to find something else. I have other opportunities, but then she just brought it back to, I'm just so exhausted. And I said, sweetie, I think you need to call in sick tomorrow. I think you need to call in and have a day off. And she said, I just can't do that. We're short at work. And so I just want listeners to hear that she's not the only one who is a dedicated worker. We're all dedicated workers. And I'm sure each one of you, even if you had a low grade fever tomorrow, you'd be wanting to go to work. Although in these days of COVID, if there's one silver lining, I think it's listening to ourselves when we're sick because we have to, we don't want to share COVID, but like exhaustion is also a physical sign that something is not right in our body. And I think her brain was just, it didn't know what to do anymore. And so I think we need to start being compassionate to ourselves and saying, when I'm this sick, tired, I need to listen to that and honor that I'm a human and I need something as basic as just a night of sleep. And it's hard for us because others do rely on us. We don't want to let people down, but really like it's okay. We are humans after all. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm holding Gretchen and you and all the family and friends in the space with love. Thank you for sharing her story and allowing others to also hear that our struggles don't have to be alone, that we can reach out for help and support. And I think it's such an important message for all of us to hear that when we go through burnout, a lot of times we do feel alone. We feel shame and guilt in not performing and not being able to just manage it all. And the reality is we're human. When we work ourselves to exhaustion, then we are not thinking clearly. We're not able to tap into what it is that we need because again, like you mentioned, we don't want to disappoint anyone. You know, we want to feel like we're showing up and doing it, but are we doing it to the point where we're hurting ourselves or hurting our families or not able to take care of ourselves? And I hope that anyone who's listening who feels that way, feels like they just can't do it anymore. They just can't put one foot in front of the other. Know that there are resources out there to help you and that you are not alone. I'm going to add a few resources to the show notes so you have access. Just know that it is normal sometimes to feel like we're doing things wrong or something is wrong with us because we're struggling in this space of burnout. And maybe you don't even feel or recognize that you have burnout. But this is something that we are facing and we are not alone in this. And we might think, oh, it'll be fine. It'll get better. I just don't have time right now to go take care of myself. And I'm just going to say, hey, ladies, now is the time. And again, gentlemen, too, if you're listening, but like it is time that we start to take care of ourselves. And after my sister died, I found out that women physicians are two and a half times as likely to die by suicide as our general peers. And physicians in general, we lose nearly 400 docs a year to suicide. And I just thought to myself, this is really unfortunate. It's unfortunate we lose 
lose so many humans in general across the world to suicide, but physicians who are so compassionate to others and have put in so many years that they could help other people. It just is really unfortunate. And I think we forget that we also are human and deserving of care. And it can start with something as basic as just caring for ourselves and realizing it is okay to reach out. So again, I love this conversation. I just want to keep screaming it from the rooftops that we need to normalize that we're humans and we have mental health struggles just like everybody else. And it's probably amplified in the fact that we also have careers that create sometimes chronic sleep deprivation, which we know amplifies mental health problems. And we have very high expectations of ourselves. Again, just as we spoke about, many of us were programmed, if you will, to be very self-critical, which is not beneficial when you're struggling. And so I think really, I to me, I'm like, you know what? Self-compassion is the key to the universe. So we need to rely on that. And, and to talk about our struggles with others, to know that you're not alone. It's so fascinating when one person just brings up, oh my gosh, this has been a tough week. This is what's been going on. Other people feel safe and comfortable to say, yeah, me too. Listen to what's going on with me and how can we support one another? And I think one of the things I had in my reading on shame is when we take shame and we bring it to life, it does not survive. Yeah, I love that. It's so true. I don't know where I learned that. Brene Brown, perhaps. Yeah. But it's so true. And it's shame grows in the dark. So let's bring a light to it. Okay. I'm just going to tell everyone, you have a brain, you're struggling. This has been a really hard couple of years. And if you're a mother, if you're a professional, there's always something going on in our lives. Even if quote unquote, everything's fine. Let's stop that facade and just be human and real and say, no, this has been really hard lately because you're yeah. right. Shame grows in the dark. Absolutely. And I think that having open conversations and I've had some people actually share when through some of the podcast discussions or other spaces that I've shared about this, they didn't even know that they were struggling with it. But when they heard someone else's story, it resonated with them. You yeah. know, they, there was that body memory, right? They were, they were like, oh yeah, that hurts. I think I'm going through that. Maybe it's a prior trauma or it's, it's maybe it is even just a current struggle, but taking the time to just create that space to say, I am also struggling and it's okay to take time to listen to myself. Yeah. That's so true because the body always remember. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love for you to also just share if there are any, you mentioned speaking engagements, what else are you doing? What other work are you doing that if our listeners wanted to connect with you and get to know more about you, where would they find your information? Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. As I said, I feel like I just want to go not only and just share the, be a proselytizer on self-compassion and coaching, but I also just really am raising awareness on physician wellness and our increased risk of suicide. Losing my dear younger sister was just, it rocked my world. And I think, gosh, if I can help one person just by understanding and recognizing that this is a problem, I think she would be very, she is very happy about that. And so I think I'm going to be, I've done some speaking at medical schools and things like that to raise awareness and to say, Hey, okay, we've been talking about burnout for 10 years. Enough's enough. Let's do something about it. So that's my mission at this point is to share Gretchen's story to say, Hey, this really happens to the most amazing, brightest, compassionate people. And so we need to do more rather than just keep taking the inventories, seeing if we're burnt out, let's do something about it. And then I'm also doing the work with individuals with coaching and group coaching for physician. I also have a podcast called Remind Yourself and it's for physician women. And I just have little pearls, little tidbits that people can take away to apply to their life. And let's see what else. I have a website that is www.mamadoclifecoach.com. And yeah, the main thing is find someone. 
alone. Find a community, right? To support one another on this journey of being human. It's such a privilege, I realize, to be a human. Certainly this tragic loss has made it even more rich in a way. It's been a very grief-filled year, and yet my joys and love are also even greater. So I just want to like share with others that we can come together and support one another on this journey of life. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And and that is so true. I think community and connection, especially over the last couple of years, I think that is something that has been difficult. We've all kind of connected virtually. We've done things. And now things are with vaccinations and stuff. It's easier. We can meet up, et cetera, and do it safely. But community is so important just to reach out to one other person, to share that journey, to share the struggles. It, it eases the pain. And like we mentioned earlier, shame doesn't live in the light talking openly and continuing this discussion because when we share of ourselves authentically then it helps and encourages others to do as well knowing that we can be great physicians great lawyers great teachers all of the things that you do but we also need to honor that we are first and foremost humans and that we need to embrace that human journey as well so i have loved our time together and i will include your information in the show notes as well so everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more thank you for all the time that you've spent with us and all the wisdom that you shared today thank you you're amazing for all those listening thank you for joining us today if you found this valuable please like subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at serenitywellnessmd on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.